0: Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites as well as internationally in Timor-Leste. We use the Team Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights that we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers go through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defense transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD, and post-traumatic growth. So, whether you're out and about, listening to this at home, or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back, listeners. It's Mike Lawbrick here again. We are halfway through TA 20. I have the privilege of sitting down with uh, John White for a second time. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You and I chatted uh, back at the start of the year, and we went to a sort of longer form podcast or video podcast interview, going into some depth into some of the operations that you were involved with in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, which you know we received a lot of great feedback for the story that you shared there. So thanks again for that. All right, um, well, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was. Well, I mean, it was fascinating doing the interview, but certainly listening to it, listening back to it was um, really, really um, insightful and inspiring. So thank you again for that. Thank you. Um, More so this time where we're not so much delving into people's operational or military past, uh, it's more looking through the lens of peer mentoring. So yeah, I guess the first thing I wanted to sort of touch on, uh, John, was what initially brought you to the Veterans Care Association and Team War Awakening programs.
1: Well, I've I've retired. Mm -hmm. I'm a veteran. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of the veterans that I care for getting old and... um, the crap is probably too strong a word. But yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm certainly getting to crap. It, but uh, there are a lot of young soldiers, especially those who have been to Afghanistan and Iraq mm-hmm. and Timor, who to a large extent have been ignored by the government. Uh, the wars they've been fighting in were very demanding, mm-hmm. a lot of physical and mental injury. Mm-hmm. And this program is heading towards... Helping those people sort out their problems. Mm -hmm. And I've wanted to do something for veterans for a long time. I haven't found anything suitable. And someone I'd talked to who talked to someone else who talked to someone else put me on to Gary. I rang up Gary and here I am. There
0: you go. Interesting. And had you you ever met Gary before yourself?
1: No. no.
0: (coughs) Okay. I'm wondering if, because you're a Vietnam veteran yourself, if there's um, part of the inspiration to want to help more contemporary veterans stems from how little support there were or was for Vietnam veterans in your day, post-service, post-operational yeah. time.
1: The, the Vietnam veterans really, I don't want to sound like a victim, but mm. did have a hard time because they, they came back to nothing. Yeah. The Army discharged them, especially the National Service guy. Yep, And said, okay, you're on your own. And they said, I've got a problem. They said, well, that's not us, that's DVA. DVA was designed as a bank. You you had a problem, you went to DVA, they gave you a category and sent you money once a month and Mm. uh, that was the end of their problem. If you've got any any serious health issues, go and see a doctor. Right. And so lots of soldiers, ex-soldiers, come from the school that I did for many years, which is, uh, I know I've got a problem but I'll fix it myself. Yep. And it resulted, I have any number of people who were married before they went to Vietnam went across, fought their war, came back, and people expected the same person to come back. Yep. Totally different person. Mm. And now I'm told anyone how to go about <coughs> supporting them. So I see this program as being a wonderful support program.
0: Mm, mm. And, and sort of um, being a peer mentor specifically, because I guess there's lots of ways that someone can offer their assistance to the ESO community for veterans. There's a whole myriad of ways that can happen. Um, Is there anything specific about peer mentoring that appeals to you?
1: I think it's easier. I think it's easier to have a a mentee, Mm. I find that word (laughs) amusing, (laughs) to have a mentee take suggestions, take support, take advice, from another veteran, mm. preferably who's been through the same issues, but even giving them, you know, many veterans won't accept support. Mm. Uh, that's help. We don't ask for help. We don't allow help. We'll do it on our own, and it just gets worse.
0: Mm. And so you you think that um, having someone who potentially isn't necessarily a clinician, you know, maybe certainly is not a doctor, but have walked the path to some extent.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think <clears throat> I've done my rounds of psychologists and psychiatrists because I had serious problems. I remember you saying, yeah. And um, I think most of the psychologists I've seen are very happy with who they are. They're normally aged about 25 to 35. Um, they are good at dealing with civil problems, mm-hmm. but you go to them with a person who's got half his leg chopped off with a mortar bomb and mm-hmm. says, I'm feeling homeless, and they freak out. Yeah. They just don't know how to handle it. And so I, I got any amount of advice. I went and saw about five psychologists, all of whom lasted one, one visit. And it wasn't that, because I was being difficult. Mm. It was just they had no clue what I was talking about.
0: And that ceased after one... Visit by your choice or theirs. By mine, by
1: yep. I went there. And I'd walk out of there and think, "It. I it doesn't know what's happening." Hmm.
0: Pot- potentially, didn't have the depth and breadth of knowledge to deal with complex cases.
1: Yes, uh, but also had no experience with veterans. Yep. So eventually, I ended up with an eighty-two-year-old psychiatrist who had specialised in what was called PTSD at the time, but uh, ...battle fatigue yep. for World War Two, Wow. And he knew his stuff. Mm. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I talked to a veteran the other day from Vietnam... ...and we were able to establish rapport mm. in the first visit. Mm. And I went back and saw him and, and was prepared to take his advice. Mm-hmm. So that's how that ended up. Mm. But I know it did a lot of good for me. And I had a couple of friends who are also vets... And we have coffee about every, still do, about every two weeks. We never discuss the war. We never discuss Vietnam. Mm. But you know when you're talking to that fellow, he knows where you came from Mm. and what you've been through. Mm. And I know where where he came from. Mm. And it's all unsaid. But it creates a rapport and a tolerance that is unbelievable.
0: It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're not even necessarily there to solve their problems. You're there to listen and show interest. Have
1: fun at each other's expense (laughs) and and, and (coughs) talk about the stupidity of others and (laughs) all this stuff. Yeah, it's it's not it's not heavy serious talk. Yeah, yeah, it's camaraderie.
0: And I wonder if peer mentoring is kind of just one step beyond that in a sense, where it's okay, you're sitting down with another veteran. Maybe they have or have not been in the same operational sphere as yourself. I mean, if you were doing peer mentoring with an Afghan vet, you know, you're separated by by decades in terms of the operations. Yeah, yeah. But certainly they know you are a veteran. You know.
1: I could do peer mentoring with the Crimean War. <laughs> and it, it, it's yeah. all the same stuff. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's about being in danger, doing something about it, losing friends, uh, being alienated by decisions made at higher levels, all these things. Yep. And also it involves... Um, What's the word? Also involves uh, moral alienation because as I've got older, over the 50 years since my war, it's become more and more open and honest and public that the whole thing was an absolute farce, (laughs) that we were lied to by our government, the Americans lied to the world, Mm -hmm. uh, the Americans invaded Vietnam, not went there to free it, it went there to uh, occupy it all those things, and you look at it and say, I was duped, and it's very hard to get rid of the anger. Mm. And I'll be talking about that tomorrow with the uh, peers. To get rid of that anger, you have to really come to grips with yourself. I shouldn't have been in Vietnam. Mm. You'd have to choose for yourself whether you should have been in Iraq or you should have been in in Timor. I think Timor's a a, a good example of where you should have been. Yeah. What the hell does Afghanistan have to do with that? But yeah. the trouble is, if you say that to an Afghan Afghanistan uh, veteran, he's mm. saying I lost friends over there, and you're telling me, and yeah. suddenly it's it's sort of all reversed.
0: Well, you're absolutely dead on the money there, and I think um, I, I wonder if after your campaign, if it had only been a similar length of time as it has been. Between now and when kind of Afghanistan wrapped up, if perhaps yourself and your peers were in a similar situation, because that that kind of revelation hadn't really bedded in yet, or maybe it had. Yeah, you no, tell no, me. it hadn't. Yeah,
1: right. I I'd suppose ten years after um, Vietnam, you know so the, the peak of Vietnam. Ten years after that was uh, nineteen seventy, mm-hmm. and. At that stage, they hadn't invented PTSD. <laughs> yeah, they had, well, I had a different shock name. Shock yeah, yeah, yeah. The press and the government were still pretty keen to express how they got it right in the first place and that it wasn't a, a, um, uh, a disaster. Mm-hmm. But everything that anyone who's been there knows is when you sit down and talk with them they say, mate, it was a fiasco. Yeah. And we were wrong. Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been killing those people.
0: Mm.
1: and I guess one of the things that I feel strongly about is how wars are created by one, co- one country taking their young men aged about 18 to 22, mm-hmm. putting them in camp, putting them in uniform, giving them weapons. This country does exactly the same. Mm. We do it from the cities. These people do it from the villages. Train them up, give them weapons. Push them close enough together saying the other people are baddies. And you got a good war. Yeah. And this this both sides are initiated by elderly white or indigenous uh, men. Mm-hmm. And I think probably a short anecdote. Different. I think one of the most interesting anecdotes I've ever heard was that when Russia was leaving Afghanistan after they had occupied it for a number of years.
0: Ten or so years, yeah. About 10 years I think it was, yeah. Yeah. 79 89 I think roughly.
1: And um, the last vehicle was coming across the bridge which was the, the border into Russia <coughs> and in that last vehicle was the general who was in command of the troops in Afghanistan. And all the reporters were there of course. This general was known for being, i have forgotten his name, Vassilov or something like that, uh, was known for being outspoken and a reporter said to him, would you go back there again? And, and he'd said, this is a fiasco, you know. Would you go back there if again if your government ordered you to? He mm. said, absolutely. That's my job. I'm in the army. I go when the government tells me. He said, with one proviso, that the front rank of the first platoon to go into combat comprises all the sons and daughters of the Politburo.
0: <laughs> said, I knew you were going to say that. That's brilliant.
1: It is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He got sacked. I bet. Yeah. Made a point
0: yeah yeah well i mean i' I'm not basing this off anything concrete, I know, but certainly from watching certain um you know t v series which are largely based on how you know Russia and Politburo behaved you know if you spoke out against the war in Afghanistan, back in those days, it was treated as a men- mental illness, yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> which is crazy okay. uh, in well, and and itself. um well yeah, I guess from here it's um one thing I'd be interested to know is you know we've kind of focused on the positive, given that the peer mentoring concept is relatively new. Do you do you see any areas that will probably need to be developed further for, yeah. for carrying it forwards?
1: I think that peer mentoring is a is an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. It deals with the issues we've just been talking about, which is veterans talking to veterans. Mm-hmm. With peer mentoring, you're training the mentors how to do that most efficiently. And I had some of the people working tonight or this afternoon down in the workshop. And they were brilliant. They really tuned in. They, they've been given a, a conceptual framework to operate from mm. and then they just use their own world experience and their military experience to mm. to deal with issues. So I see it as being a really, really good exercise. However, it'll be as good as the mentors mm. and they have to be trained by uh, TA. Mm-hmm. and TA at the moment is just gearing up to do that, mm-hmm. and that batch down there, TA 20, yep. 20 uh, they're good, and they're going to go out there and they're going to spread the word, mm-hmm. but it will need a lot more, a lot more people, a lot more resources.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, you know it, this concept has gained the attention of you know, DVA from what I know and a few sort of... Uh, organisational bodies like that. So I think, um, hopefully, it will get more traction, get more funding, get more resources thrown at it.
1: But DVA is going to be one of those agencies that you ring DVA say you got a problem and they'll point you towards TA. Mm. And you've got to be ready to, for that intake. You have no infrastructure. You have an organisational structure which is crowded. Mm. You have no infrastructure like um, 24-hour... Telephone.
0: Yep. yep. Like helpline.
1: I think one of the things I'll be saying tomorrow is that when you drive into into a country town or a coastal town, you'll see uh, apex, um, lions, you know, buffaloes, whoever, and where to find them on mm. a big board outside the city. And so if you're a member of one of those organisations, you can go there and you know, involve yourself in the town. Mm. Wouldn't it be lovely to see something up there saying veterans?
0: Mm, mm.
1: And if you drive in and you're going to stay the night, you've got an RSL which has got nothing to do with veterans. The RSL is normally just a pub and pokies. And to have the local veterans um, agency, RSL agency, of the veterans trained up, able to help people if they're passing through or able to help the residents of that town. Mm. It would be good mm. it's not structured to do that sort of thing
0: yet. Mm. Mm. okay well that's, that's that's excellent feedback and i think um that it, that's thinking a few moves ahead, but it's exactly what needs to happen because um you know you you're a businessman from the from your you know, some of your bygone eras i guess and yeah. uh, some of the lives that you lived and you know how these things work, and sometimes when an well, organization that, or business is soaring and going up sometimes that's when it's most vulnerable you know
1: that's exactly right if you if you keep treating it as a mum and dad shop mm. it will stay like that even though it expands and they yeah. normally go by. It, yeah it's okay all right um,
0: we we'll might just move on to the, the sort of um the tail end here which was what's what's specifically next for you in terms of uh, your your association with yeah the peer mentoring space
1: um my future with this organisation is yet to be decided on <laughs> a bit like the third wheel at the moment to be continued yeah. dot
0: dot dot yeah
1: I am feeling honoured mm-hmm. to be invited to come down and, and talk with the troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a privilege. Mm. And my other army mates uh, say, oh, you're a lucky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> most of them I wouldn't let free on these guys anyway because <laughs> some of them are cranky old men and right. uh, some of them are just... Getting too old to do things.
0: Okay, a bit set in their ways.
1: Yeah, that's the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so my future with TA is what Gary and Michael want it to be. But what I believe I can do is I've done for other organisations like a, an Indigenous Education Fund and things like that. Is when they were small. There's a, there's a group called Yallery. You can exclude this if you want. Mm-hmm. There's a group called Yallery which takes. Talented, young, Indigenous kids out of remote and rural community schools and sends them off to the top schools in Australia. Mm. And when I joined that, there were three students. We've now got 280 spread right throughout. You know, so name the big schools in Brisbane, they've all got up to about ten of our Indigenous kids. Mm-hmm. Schools like Geelong Grammar and King's School in Sydney. All. Yep. So... Where I got involved there was to look at their administration, their structure, mm-hmm. and see how to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. So an example would be, and you might want to keep this or not, an example would be putting these kids through these schools, those boarding schools, uh, till they graduated. About 80% of them were entitled to go into to university. When they were at school, they were working within a dis- disciplined society. You know, lights out. Go to sleep. Do your homework. <laughs> when they go to university, mm. they go into a house, which is party time, <laughs> and they're failing.
0: With four other boys their age in the same situation. Yep.
1: Yet all those universities have college, what they call colleges, mm. and I was able to get from the college, uh, yeah, four or five from each college bedrooms, for these guys who are living in a semi-disciplined mm. way, you know, and that worked. They didn't have a program for going to university. They were just thrown into the university. Right. And got the universities to set up um, Indigenous-focused offices so the kids who were having trouble could could go and talk to somebody just Mm. like this. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm good at, and I say that with no modesty, (laughs) what I'm good at is organisational stuff. Having a look at the stuff I ran through before, you know, having a look at what you got, how you're going to, do, how you going to deliver that stuff with qualified or trained staff mm. to solve a problem is the next issue.
0: Yep, and that's that's um, one of the things we need to unpack as we as we go along. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I'll talk to Gary and Michael about that when I when
0: they're ready. I'm sure they'd be love to. They'd love to hear ideas.
1: Well, I'm not sure they will. Um, well,
0: they may not uh, enjoy the experience, but they will benefit from it. <laughs>
1: I would, I would hope so, but yeah. it's their baby. Yeah. And so someone, some smart-ass comes <laughs> out from somewhere else and says, Gee, let's do this and let's do that. Yeah. You might have likely say, well, why don't you go you, home? You've got an ugly baby. <laughs> <for> <laughs> <what you're saying.
0: laughs> all right, John, I think we might um, wrap up there. We're kinda of keep these uh, ones sort of short and sharp, but thank you so much for everything, all your input there, really valuable, and I uh, look forward to our next chat. Yeah, me too, Michael. Good on you, John. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.